0: Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Virtual Live Streaming Podcast. My name is Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Permit, aka. Forget it. El Judío Maravilloso. Obviously, if you have a house that smells like cat pee, it's dated from the 1960s, six inches of mold on the wall, human waste floating past the basement steps, land, commercial property, anything real estate related. I'm quick. I'm easy. Lord knows I'm a good time. I want to buy it. 516-777. Sold. Huge new thing I'm doing. Exclusive access anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, especially in New York, you have absolutely no excuse. If you are interested in real estate in any capacity and you want to learn, I have a text platform. I'm going to run that baby right across the bottom. There we go. I love modern technology. Text me on my new text platform, 516-871-3511. You get exclusive access to me. Ask any questions you want about investing, multifamily, development, whatever I know, I'm willing to share with you and you guys are going to know. Today's guest, awesome guy. About a year, I've only talked to him literally for like four minutes and I already love him. You know, you have one of these like things where you you meet people and you just kind of feel that they're like good, people. They're like, they're wholesome. They want to help. And it's going to be a dynamite podcast. This gentleman is a legend, been in the business for 37 years, full-time Southern gentleman. But before we go there, you know who also is a Southern Southern gentleman? Mark, you know who's a Southern gentleman? No. You're on the podcast right now. Captain Permit, 516-513-8838. If you need plans, if you need permits, if you need anything permit-related, tip to tip, and by that I mean from Elmont to Montauk, we got you. We have the most capable, I would dare say, best looking permit crew in the business, 516-513-8838. Okay, back to today's guest. This gentleman, Southern gentleman, has a voice that I literally would, would give my left arm for. He's built over 500 houses in his professional career, which is 37 years full time. He is 65 years old and still pushing the limits with social media. He's out there, he's working every day. And most importantly, he obviously has an amazing heart. He's out there educating people on his Instagram. I'm going to drop that later on. You guys should definitely check him out. Um, been in construction his whole life. He owns 120 single family rentals. And we're going to get into that with him because there's a, there's a big debate out there. A lot of people say, you know, single family and no, you want multifamily, but I would argue and I've been trained and I'm pretty sure that this gentleman is going to second and third that, that single family homes is the most profitable investment property out there with the most flexibility. He's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Rick Charmin.
1: Yo. Hello. Hello, Charles. How you doing, buddy?
0: Did you get to hear any of that rant or no, no? I
1: heard it all. I was impressed. You know, if I wasn't already here, I'd buy a ticket to be here.
0: <laughs> I always aim to uh, under promise and overdeliver, deliver, sir. So I have very high hopes for you. I, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. This has been a long time coming and the the, the fans are mutual fans on Instagram demanded this. They literally <laughs> sent me a DM and they were like, this is the guy. He's got to be on here. Look at him. And uh, I think they're right. So thank you.
1: Uh, I've been looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, you've pretty much done everything. Just for the people at home, uh, give me a little bit of a background about you know, you know, know, where you are, where you come from, you know, and ultimately how you got into real estate. Okay. I know you're You're 65, but you've been in the game for a very, very, very long time. So please give us a little bit of background so people can. uh, Well, you know, it's
1: about 47 years worth to the condense down, but I'll do my best. Jesus. When I was three years old, my dad had a complete mental breakdown. He was a World War II veteran and he was in the VA hospital. I was 15. I got married at 18. I'll be married 48 years. this coming June. Wait, hold on. I got to stop you there for a second.
0: (laughs) What is the secret to being married for 47 years?
1: Well, you know, I tell folks I've been married almost 48 years and happy about 35.
0: (laughs) That's not bad. Even that's not bad.
1: (laughs) No, the secret I tell them is never take it for granted. You've got to work on it every day. And and not be a quitter. It's just like this business. You can't be a quitter. You know, a lot of times it's easier to throw your hands up and walk away. No, great advice. But anyway, my dad, uh, like I said, he got sick. And when he got sick, you know, this is now this is 1958. And back then, you know, the mamas most of the time didn't work. So my mother was a stay home mom, didn't have a car, didn't know how to drive, didn't have a job. And we ended up being homeless for like uh, nine months to a year. Wow. She and I lived with one of her sisters. And then uh, my brother lived with another sister. And so She kind of had to pull it all together fast and we come up hard. We were poor. It was tough because those days you didn't have everything like you do. now. Daddy couldn't get service connected because he'd been out a little too long. But anyway, long story short, she taught us how to work, work hard, taught us, you know, you're as good as anybody else, no better. Put your britches leg on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. So I've worked all my life and uh, the summer between my, 11th and 12th grade of high school. I did construction work. work. A girl I went to school with her dad was a contractor. And I loved it. I mean, I'd I'd always, when I was a kid, they were building a subdivision back in behind our neighborhood, you know, and I'd ride my bike over there. And and this is back in the days when everybody really drove nails. You didn't have nail guns and stuff. And everybody would be fussing and cussing and all the excitement, you know. And I knew I was going to like it. So after that first summer, I worked it. I said, man, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And I have, I mean, uh, I come out of high school, uh, 1973, like I said, I got married, wasn't quite a month and a half later, and, uh, or in June, so it wasn't even a month, and uh, I started out working in a cabinet shop, and, you know, went on, just been in construction all these years, Uh, yeah, I can tell you the whole scoop of it, I mean, like I said, it's it's whatever you want to hear of it, you know. No, I I love love it, keep going, I love it. Well, I like to tell folks when I when I first I'm gonna back up a little bit. I had bought a piece of land owner financing before I come out of high school to put a mobile home on. I paid five hundred dollars down for the land, owner financing, and I was not seventeen. You know, so I guess it didn't matter him as long as I made the payments. You know, but all, I bought a mobile home. So you know, back when you graduate from high school, you know how you have your practice where they run through everything but well, we were having mine that day and they were supposed to deliver my mobile home. Well, I, we waited and waited, me and a couple of my buddies and uh, no mobile home. So we rode out to the highway to see if we could see it, you know, and we saw it, it was all up and down the highway An 18 wheeler had hit it. Big 18 wheeler truck, you know? So, you know, I'm like, I'm green as a cucumber. I don't know. I'm thinking, man, if I, have I still got to pay for this thing? You know, but they said, you know, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get you another one in two weeks. Well, it was like two months. And so we got married with having to live with my parents. So we got started off on the marriage rough and real estate. But anyway, we bought our first house when I was 21, we fixed it up, moved in it, flipped it. We did that like three times in about two years and moved up from a little old house that was built after World War II, 700 square foot to about a, 1,800 and something square foot, practically brand new house, acre of land, you know, so it was, I said, that might be something to this real estate, but all along, I'm learning my trade and and everything. I worked for 10 years in maintenance at the University of Alabama in housing. What better training? While I was there, I was doing work on the side and uh, kind of jumping around on it, but I bought my first rental house in 1981. Got my real estate license in 1983, thought it'd help me find more deals, Went full-time 1984, built my first house in 1984. I'd been flipping houses and remodeling. I'm thinking, I just come in one day and told my wife, I said, this is it. I'm, I'm fixing to pull the plug and go in at full-time and had two little kids and you know, this was, they were like less than five years old. They were 18 months apart and she was supportive, always has been. And so we, we've been at it full-time since June of 1984.
0: So, Your first, so I understand that you, you know, you bought houses, you lived in them, you renovated them, and you flipped them, which is how a lot of people, um, you know, get started a certain way. But your your first official investment property was a rental in 1981.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So, what kind of um, did you have any kind of you know formal training or a mentor or how did you come? I mean, that's it's a big deal. Like obviously, if you don't do it right, your first deal could be your last deal. So right. how did you, how did you figure it out?
1: Well, I was doing maintenance on somebody else's rental property also, you know, and I, you know, and i am be laying under the houses doing work and fixing plumbing or whatever because I could do it all. And I'm laying there, but well, they don't have any headaches. I'm the one with the headaches, but you know, in my mind, I'm telling myself that we know that's not so, but in my young 19 year old mind, that's where it looked. But, uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. I just kind of I saw what the people, what it had done for them, where they lived, how they, you know, I've always been one. I set goals. I've always been a goal setter. I mean, like I said, it's after that summer that I worked construction, I knew that's what I want to do is build houses one day. And uh, that was my big thing. You know, the rental was just kind of a side thing. I've got a pretty good story to tell you about how I got the first rental. But I'm going to back up first when I was working there at that cabinet shop right after high school I wasn't there too long because I was making minimum wage you know and I knew I had to do more than that but I'd worked all my life so I had money saved you know but I need to make more money in that so I was gonna I got into the what they call the you know union labor union and then I got in as a carpenter apprentice but before that when I was at the cabinet shop we was on break one day and like i said i just had turned 18 i mean i didn't know nothing about nothing i mean i'm sitting there learning how to sand the cabinets and not cross grain and mess up the grain you know and just knew nothing but i was i guess so naive i told him i said look you know we was talking one day and the boss man another guy i said one of these days i'm gonna build houses and boy they got the biggest laugh out of that because and i guess it did sound kind of funny coming from somebody didn't know nothing as old folks say, didn't know shit from shine over, you know, I didn't know nothing. So <clears throat> you fast forward it from 19, this was 1973 to 1993. I'm building so many houses, my cabinet man can't keep up. So guess who I hired? The guy that, that I worked for, you know, 20 years earlier. And every time I signed his check, you know, I never said nothing about it. Every time I <laughs> who's laughing now, you know? so uh you never know i tell that's what i try to tell people on my page on instagram you never know what life holds for you you know wherever you're at right now has nothing to do where you can be later in your life you know i was telling you earlier uh you know i kind of joke about it and i don't mean as brag i like to let folks know what you're capable of i live in a neighborhood that says pretty nice neighborhood you know we got doctors and lawyers and we got a football coach, you know, coach Nick Saban, you know, lifts three houses up from me. And when I moved in here about six years ago, I told my wife, I said, well, they got doctors, lawyers, <laughs> football coach, now they got a redneck in here. <laughs> and I tell her, I say, I know we may not be the only one to start out in a mobile home, but I know I'm the only one that worked on a garbage truck. And that's what I did by summer between the 10th and 11th grade. So, if things didn't look too positive back then, but you just got to set those goals and stay after it.
0: How uh, how did you do that? I'm curious because, I mean, that's where you came from to where you are now is 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 an amazing accomplishment, right? You should be very proud of that. But there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are you know they're going to listen to this and they're they're in that situation. They're worse off. They're better, and they just can't get out of their own way. Either they can't get out of their own head, or maybe they get up the courage to talk to a friend or family member and say, yo, I want to do this. This is my dream. And then you know what happens a lot of times, you know, friends or family or whoever they they shoot it down. Similar to that gentleman. How did you stay so focused um, and just so optimistic through everything you were going through?
1: Well, you know, I tell folks when I, when I married my wife and her parents, of course, they didn't want her to marry me because I had no trade, no, you know, making minimum wage, wasn't going to college. And she was, she's 22 months older than I am. So she'd had a little bit of college when we got married and uh, you know, I probably wouldn't want me to marry her to, if my daughter. Wouldn't want to marry me either. You know, I, I mean, it did look like my wife. I always tell folks she must've saw something in me that maybe only my mama saw, you know, your mama's they, they see the best in you all the time, you know, but to answer your question, I think, I don't know. I just wanted things. You know what I mean? I, I come up really poor and I didn't have enough sense no, if somebody else can do it, I can do a little bit of it, you know, and I just, I just, I'm a goal setter and and I don't want to talk about another podcast while I'm on your podcast. But, you know, when I first got on Instagram, uh, I set a goal. I want to be on the Bigger Pockets podcast. There you go. You know, well, I, I did an episode 393. Nice, I did not. Yeah, know that. And, You know, and I and I look around, and, I, and I've only seen one person I think older me on Instagram. That's that billionaire that does all that cussing. You know, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, who? Who is that? I can't think of his name, but boy, he let him fly. Man, he he's probably from New York. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, they, I've heard it. These ears have heard a lot worse. I guarantee you. But uh, you know how it all started my journey on social media i had uh i didn't know what a podcast was about a year and a little year and a half ago i had i didn't have a clue because i don't listen to talk radio none of that stuff well my son who works with me been working in the business with me for 20 years he's uh 38 now 38 39 yeah 39 i guess 38 something whatever anyway He, he he introduced me to bigger pockets And I was listening to a couple of them. I said, Well, you know, I'm no expert, but I did a few things. I said, I need to be on that show. Well, I didn't have enough sense. I didn't know how to how even go about it, you know. Because I knew nothing about social media other than I had a Facebook page, you know. And uh and I didn't even know what Instagram was. Now, this is just the podcast. So I got to thinking, I said, Well, you know what, David Green, he's a real estate agent, his number's out there somewhere. So I got his number and I'd call. Never could get him. I'd leave a message and I'd, you know, text him. And finally, I guess he said, "This fool's not gonna go away." He he sent me a message said, "You uh, you go on their their page, you know, and and uh, you know and uh, fill out a a bio about yourself and submit it." And you know, somebody else told me you gotta be active in their form. And I said, "What the hell's a form?" You know. I, but I, I really knew, but I didn't know much about stuff for real. So I go on there and uh, I fill it all out. And I'm doing, I stepped at one o'clock at night and I lose it, I think. I said, darn, you know, come on, big fingers on my iPad. So I get up next morning, I fill out another one and I send it to him. I said, now, look, you may have two of these from me. You just figure out the one you like the best and that'll be the one we'll go with but I never heard nothing. I'm thinking, well, I, cause I'm just thinking all I had to do was send in, they have been knocking on the door, you know, ready to do business. So I think, well, I'll just do my own podcast. So I ordered me a mic and I got on YouTube and all this stuff I've learned off of YouTube. I got garage band. And so I needed a website. I don't even have a website. I don't have one this day. And I had a couple of folks who were supposed to do it. And, you know, I'm kind of tired. I wasn't going to pay what someone was asking. But, you know, you get what you pay for, I guess. And I should know that and being a home builder. But I wasn't going to pay for a So finally, I got aggravated. And I said, I just ain't going to do a podcast. I'd start me a YouTube page. So I went on there and read about that. And I started me a YouTube page. And it didn't do much. And I'm thinking, darn, I must not have nothing anybody wants to hear. Well, my daughter-in-law said, well, you are try Instagram. I said, ain't that like Facebook for young folks? She says, no, you, you need to check it out. So I went on there and I didn't know how, you know, I, I was, I mean, like I said, man, I didn't have a clue. And you look back at some of the conversations you and I had, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm just trying to talk to folks and I'm trying to, you know, but my whole goal was I won't get on here and help people. Yeah. I, I don't ask anybody for anything. I ain't selling nothing. i tell them I don't want your money. I'm just trying to help folks. Well, the Instagram takes off. I mean, I don't know why, but I've been blessed. You know, I look today, I'm, I look. I'll think about another 30 something people. If they start following me, I'll be at uh, 26,600 people, in a little over a year and a half, That's all right. organic. I hadn't bought any followers and, Probably a lot more, but you know, you get the more pretty women saying they, you know, want to, you know, you, hey handsome, you know, <laughs> you, want talk, you know, probably somebody over there and in India, you know, probably ain't even a woman, and I just block them, you know, cause, hey, I ain't no fool. I didn't come out on no cordwood truck yesterday. They ain't got nothing they want to talk to this old man about. But it's it, Instagram. has been a great ride. My my average followings, th- uh, twenty five to thirty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York, believe it or not, New York City is my largest following. There you Four go. After that, you know, so it's just been a lot of fun.
0: I want to talk about um you know the the houses and the things that you've done because you know again what you accomplish is amazing. So I have this saying where I flip houses to buy rentals. When I first got into the business, I started flipping houses and then I realized you know, if you want to create generational wealth, I want to do like what you've done, which is I want to buy rental properties. So I always explain to people, I'm like, you, you want to people want to flip houses because it looks sexy, they have TV shows, but in actuality, you just need the education and the money to turn around and then put into rental properties, which will right. kids, 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 really. So again, I know that you've you've built and or flipped over 500 homes in your career. Was that your motive? Were you building to create, to generate short-term money to put back into rentals?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was buying rentals and really I didn't have a game plan like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and buy rentals. House building, you know, you have to borrow a lot of money when you're building And like since 1998, I have built nothing but speculative. And what that means, if people don't know, I buy the land, I put the house on it, I pick the colors or my decorator, whatever. And then I sell it, you know, it's not a pre sold yeah, which is riskier, but it's more money, you know, and that's all I've done since 1998. But what I would take trades, I never hear people talk about trades and I've talked about that some on one of my videos. I thought it'd do real good, but you know, we've had such a good market. People are probably not interested in that, but, you know, I would take a trade, kind of like trading cars. I'd try to get it down where I'm getting their house for like 70% and they're buying my new. I'd have two separate loans. The house I'm selling, I'm getting all my profit, you know, for selling the house. I take part of that profit and use it for my down payment, you know, to set up the rental house or the house I'm going to fix up and flip. That was a trade because a lot of people don't want to move twice. They, they, You know, and so. So you would buy.
0: So basically you would build a home just on spec. They would, someone would come there and say, I like this house. You'd ask them if they had their own house. You would then sell them your new house and then buy their house and either flip it or turn it into a rental. Right.
1: Each one was contingent on the other one happening, you know, two separate contracts. Yeah. And A lot of times I'd be buying it in a different company, not my construction company. Wow. I mean, that's
0: a, it's very smart. And B, I'm really surprised. Like, and the numbers usually made sense. Like,
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, I would tell them, say, look, if you put your house on the market sale, you're going to probably have to pay a 6% closing costs. You know, if I'm buying it, I still got to pay a commission. So I deduct a commission, I deduct cost setting it up interest, and Plus like, it's just like a car lot, you know, if you trade at a car lot, you're losing money. We all know that you got to need to buy it right and then sell your vehicle. Same way with the house, you know, but the advantage for them was they take less because they didn't have to put it on the market and fool with it. They didn't have to you know, sell it. They didn't have to move into one place and then this house be ready for them, you know, or whatever. Cause see, I'd let them live in their house to the one I'm building's finished. Cause a lot of times they're looking at it pre, you know, not pre construction but in the middle of the construction. Yeah. They don't have to move, you know, all they gotta do is move out. And, and it, I mean, I've did that. i took, I've took back hose, motorcycles, boats, I tell folks I've taken everything but a gold on trade, you know, I just would take anything to make the deal because you had to in the day, you know, but back to your question, it was kind of like I just did whatever I had to do to have a paycheck on Friday. I tell folks since 1984, if I didn't make something happen, I didn't get a paycheck. Yeah. So if building was good. I'd build. If remodeling was good, I'd remodel, you know, but all along I'm buying rentals, flipping houses and that kind of stuff.
0: So that's what I was going to ask you. So you've you were in the game again before it was very before it was very popular. Um, on top of that, you've been through every kind of market there is. So I, I would love to hear kind of you know how things have changed since flipping was before flipping was even known as flipping. Now into modern day flipping, and then you know what it was like, or even some war stories going through the different cycles. Because right,
1: you know, yeah, but well, we used to say. I got this fixer up. I'm fixing up the sale. You know, that's, that was the fixer upper is what we called them. Uh well, like I said, I bought my first house to flip in 1976. I was 21 years old. So I didn't start, you know, my going in business for myself full time. I was just turned 29, but I was always doing stuff, yeah. but let's move forward. I, I went in business for myself full time. You know, I just, I, like I said, bought my first rental 1981. I need to tell you that story too. You need to hear that one. I was working with a guy and he was getting a divorce and it's a little two bedroom, one bath house and it's worth about $20,000 and he was going to sell it for 10. Well, I didn't have any money. I mean, I'm raising a family. I got a house. I mean, I'm working on the side, you know, my wife, she became a teacher and got her master's double certified, you know, but we were going through all just life, you know, in general, what you do young couples, it's always the same. So I went to my credit union. I said, look, I found this house. It's a deal. And they said, well, i tell you what, we'll loan you the money to buy it to 10,000, but you'll have to pay the closing costs and the remodeling money out of pocket. Well, I said, okay, I can do that. And I didn't, I didn't have no extra money, but I wasn't gonna let that stop me. I was driving a 1979. Oh, uh, Wait a minute. This was 81. I was driving a 1979, ford ranger xlt truck i mean it was nice you know nice truck i had you know it's about paid for so i I could sell this truck and get my money out of that you know so i sold the truck i went to a car lot and they had a 1969 plymouth station wagon the tailgate folded down like a truck i said well i can work out of this you know it had a loan value of 1200 dollars i was buying it for 600 so, the credit union loaned me $1,200 to buy the car. So, I had an extra 600 left over. I sold my truck. I had that money. I got 100% financing on the house. And that was the start of my rentals.
0: Oh, man. I love it. I love it. So, what was it like? Like, obviously, now there's, there's technology. You look things up online, there's social media. What was the acquisition process? Like, when you, is it diff, very different from what you do now? Like, how would you go out there and find deals? Mm-hmm when you were
1: coming up? I do a lot of driving for dollars and I get a lot of things pitched to me, you know, because I'm a real estate broker. Mm-hmm. I've been a broker since 1986. When I started building, I had to sell for somebody else full time two years before I could get my broker's license in Alabama. So I was building for myself, but selling somebody else. So when I got to two years in, I went out on my own. In fact, I did a video on my page. It's called some old school real estate. I was showing how like the second rental house I bought it was owner financing. I think I had to pay $500 down as owner financing. And I had a little book. I'd go to the bank and they'd stamp your book. Cause you, you didn't have, it, it, it wasn't nothing like, you know, you seen like on TV, you take your book down there. You know, when we were writing contracts, it'd be on the hood of the car. You didn't go back to the office or the computer. You didn't have a computer it, it, and you, and if you were listing a piece of property, you would say, could I borrow your deed and go to the office and make a copy? And if they didn't want to give you the deed, you would have, cause a lot of people think if they give you the deed, they don't own the property anymore, you know? So you'd have to go to the courthouse, print out, a, you know, the deed cause you had to know who always owned the deed. You couldn't, you know, it's it's not like going into, you know, in your office like I have now, and I'm sure you do all the MLS on your computer yeah. and you have the courthouse record and you see who owns it. And, Everything well, we'd have to go up there physically and do it, so I caught the tail end of the old stuff, you know. And it's it's, it's been a lot of changes, it, but it's all I tell folks one thing never changes that need for housing. You're gonna rent or buy or live under the bridge, and only so many can live under that bridge 100%. 100%. So,
0: um, oh, what was I just gonna So, talk to me about you, you said you got a little bit into commercial stuff as well you've kind of you've branched out a little bit some commercial or no
1: yeah I, well i did uh i, I own a couple pieces of commercial now but it's just like offices houses that turned into offices you know mm-hmm. i dealt with some multi-family i like single family i did enough to know i didn't like it i once had a 10 unit complex a 16 unit and a five plex uh, i just find i like single family better you know but i guess i need i didn't answer your question Um uh, and I did a video on this. I've been through six recessions, counting this one since I come out of high school. Yes. The first, one, the, yeah. you know, the first one I didn't really feel because I was just working for somebody else, but I did feel, you know, we had lines, they had rationing gas and you'd have to hope you got, we had a gas embargo and you had to hope you could get enough gas, to get to work next day. So I felt that that was in 73. And I, on this video of mine, I go through and tell them every year, how long the recession was and everything, you know, and I tell people, go online, look at the history of interest rates and stuff too. I've did that from the time. I mean, I've seen a time when 11 and three quarter fix was the best you could get. And that was camping out all night to get a government bond issue. 12 adjustable was your normal loan. You know, now here it is, all these great rates. But anyway, you know, I've been in for business through four of the six recessions. so. 2008 didn't hurt me because I had learned a lot of lessons in the late nineties. You know, we, they don't nobody ever talks about this, but you know, we went through a situation where we had the savings and loan crisis, you know, and a lot of people got caught President Trump is the same time he got in trouble with real estate. I got into, I basically had to sell all my rentals off what my rentals didn't get me in trouble. It was the building and got caught, you know, Buildings a risky business. That's why I tell folks flipping houses is like on vacation. But anyway, I had this, I basically had to start over. I went made that bar millions of dollars and couldn't get a $19 pager in my name. Wow. And I was 43 years old having to kick it in high gear again. I actually went back, put my nail apron on and started back like when I started out so I could get regrouped.
0: Wait a minute, so just, just to highlight that so people get it. You started, you bought your first house at 21 you, you built it up and at 43 in the savings and loan crisis, you basically lost it all and started from nothing Yeah, all over again, all over. How did you handle that?
1: Emotionally? <laughs> it's, uh, well, I'll tell you this, it, this was in 1998 and there were three other builders in my town that committed suicide during this time. It's so sad. I wow. mean, it, it was tough and I'm thinking, I look back at one of them. He had a son the same age as my son. And, uh, I think, you know, um, however my son was old in that time, I'm thinking that that young man would have rather had his daddy and lived in a, wherever he had to live a mobile home, a ragged out mobile home apartment or whatever. And, and, you know, go through that. But some people just can't deal with it. I, I tell folks sometimes don't mean it joking, but I think sometimes when you come from money, it's harder when you lose it, when you start out and you don't, you know, I mean, I guess it was so tough when I was growing up, everything. I I felt like I could, it was just, I'm just a positive person. You know, you, you know, you, you you quit. It's over with you. just don't quit. You know, I, like I said, I went in business in 1984 full time. Well, I was 29 by the time I was 33, I was a millionaire, you know, and and that's when, you know, and then to go from that 10 years later, you know, you had to start over. And, and you, you know, I see people on there now on Instagram and everywhere, you know, you think about this, they've all come in right after the recession. They reaped what people had lost from 2008. You know, it, it lasted basically a little over a year and a half. So, you know, but to say 2010, a lot of them got in 11, 12 when all the dust started clearing. Well, I hate to say it, but right now a blind man could do it. It's that easy right now, you know. You know what? The interest rates—they fuss when it gets up to three and a half. You know. Well, a lot of those deals came about from people that lost their stuff. But I learned a lot of lessons in the late nineties, and so when two thousand eight hit, I basically could pull back. In fact, I hadn't built probably fifteen houses since two thousand eight. I just I could live off my rentals, you know, because I'd got to that point. Now my son didn't; he could he had to have a job, and his wife had just finished University of Alabama in interior design. So we opened up an interior and antique shop and ran that for four years. Well, you know while we was regrouping after the recession, I mean, till we get back building houses, some. But I tell you a little, another little story in here now it's, I know I'm all over the place and I, this is a lot telling 40, for 47 years. The recession was 2008. Yes. I was president of our home builders association in 2009, the worst year you could be. So we pulled back. We wasn't building any, you know, cause you couldn't, I mean, I got a real estate agent's been with me 18 years. She had to go and she, I mean, she was like in the top 10 when all, when the recession hit the great recession, and uh, she had to take a job as a dental assistant. I mean, if you was in a real estate business, then there was, the banks were not loaning. You could have property paid for and you couldn't even refinance it. It was tough, but we were okay. Cause like I said, I done learned what to do or not to do 10 years earlier. But, and so anyway, I'm president of the home builders and I'm telling, you know, we have, you know, the home builders, you have bankers and, Everybody will come to your socials that you have once a month. Everybody networking, trying to get business. None of the bankers will come and nobody will come. At our awards banquet, I said, look around. There's not one banker in here except for one. That was the secretary. I mean, you know, they just, I I told my son this when he was young. I said, now, son, because I'd seen this. I said, things is good. Everybody's patting you on the back you let it get tough. I said, they'll cut your nuts and run. And that's basically what happened. They shut the doors. They wasn't loaning money. You know, it is just how it turned out. But I mean, I understand they were in damage control. They didn't know how to, they had never dealt with all this stuff, you know? And, and you know, when I went through the hard times in the nineties, I thought I had to go in touch and I'm sure the banks was that way. I thought, man, I can do no wrong and all of a sudden all that gold turns to copper and you realize no matter how good a house you're building or how good you're doing. And it's not so many things controls this interests of the finance and the government, you know, and everything. So we made it through the recession fine. And actually I tell folks, I had some private money lenders I worked with and right after the recession, I was able to increase my net worth by $2 million buying up stuff that I knew didn't fit my criteria to keep, but I could sell it and flip it afterwards, you know, and we did real good cause it's like everybody else, I was able to come in and buy stuff, but the recession was in 2008 less than roughly less than two years. If you go online and look, you want to hear another setback 2011, we had the worst tornado in Alabama history here in Tuscaloosa. I had 26 rental houses totaled and one commercial building and damaged to probably another 50 of my houses, you know, but I literally had 26 of them gone, just wiped out. So I had to deal with insurance companies for three years. You are just coming off the recession. Then you got this whammy, you know, but you know, you just keep going or you quit, you know, uh, I mean,
0: you have a, you have a much better attitude than, than than most do. I um, I have a question because I have a I have a friend that does some business down in Alabama. Um, he does owner financing, so he'll he'll buy the house and then he'll do owner financing. Because from what I'm told, Alabama is a non judicial state. So, like in New York, if you don't pay, it takes five. Like we do short sales on people's property that haven't paid in five, eight, ten. The record is nineteen years haven't made a mortgage payment. But in Alabama, I understand it's very different, like 30 days or 60 days, that's it. Um, do you do anything like that? It's a very interesting business model.
1: I have, you know, a lot of times people, what they do, they do like a wrap. You can do that in Alabama, it's called a bond for title. Okay. I keep the title in my name and I finance it. And, I, if they, and I've had to go to court before and they treat it as a lease and I've had them treated as a sale. And if it's a sale, you gotta do the foreclosure and everything just like you would. Alabama, there's a one year right of redemption. Okay. But, you know they, but that's why if I buy a foreclosure and fix it up, I buy it in one company name and my construction company fixes it up because see they'll pay you about I think twelve percent interest if somebody come back and redeemed it, which that doesn't happen. Off you know when they got that one year right of redemption, well, they had to pay you interest on the money you spent. Reimburse you, but they don't pay for sweat equity. So I've got a construction company that's building it and doing the work. So it ain't sweat equity. That's another company, another entity. Yeah. But I I've got a couple out there that I sold, I bond for title. They pay me, I do a wrap and I pay the bank. I set mine up on fifteen year loans, there's on thirty. I'm charging eight and a half cent interest and I'm probably paying four and a half or five. So I'm making the spread plus the down payment. And you know, theirs, theirs won't pay up for 30 years, mine will be paid off 15. So I got a couple of them like that.
0: So talk to me about, I, um, when I first got into the game, a mentor of mine said, listen, and I, I always remember what he says to me, but you have to kind of learn things for yourself. Cause when I first got into real estate, I'm like, I'm going to be a value at apartment building investor, and I'm going to build luxury stuff. And I wanted to do what it was like glamorous and sexy. Meanwhile, today, I flip houses, I do commercial development stuff, but I love doing, you know, section eight or government-based type mm-hmm. of programs, especially through the whole COVID thing. Oh yeah. I was very fortunate that about 80% of my portfolio is all government backed. So I just kind of cruised through this whole thing with uh, without any damage, fortunately. Uh, talk to me about, you know, your experience with single family homes, because a lot of people are out there saying, ah, you want to buy apartment buildings, it's one roof, it's this, it's that. And um, through my experience, I've learned that my mentor, Carl, was actually right, that, you know, the, the ROIs that I've gotten, the flexibility to be able to sell houses or the way I finance them is, is unlike any other uh, property out there.
1: It's like you say, they say well, it's all under one roof, but that's a big roof. You still got 10 water heaters, 10 heating and cooling units, 10 power meters and boxes. And I didn't like, I, you know, I'm in a, a student town. I'm, it's a college town. So we don't have a lot of in-between. You either have student housing or kind of housing, at Section 8, your C-class, you know. So I, I had a few student things. I just didn't like it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. And the same way with multifamily, and I'm not, you know, usually 10 units or less or six, that, that's run about like a single-family home. But you getting these big units, you it's just it's just grown-up daycare. I mean, I, I don't want that. That's just not what I want. I'm like you though, I get 90, I, I'm 95% Section 8. My money's coming from the government. I yeah. deal with two cities, you know, one's on one side of the river and one's on the other. One of them direct deposits my money, the other one mails me a check by the tenth. I mean, you get the part from the student, I mean from the the tenants, the part the government doesn't pay. But here's the thing, just like you said, through COVID, you hadn't heard all these folks saying you need to be in multifamily. I mean, a lot of them wish, you know, you you don't hear about somebody saying, well, you know, I got 125 rental houses, but there's a tenant strike going on with all my tenants. No, but the apartments, they're having that some places. Yep. And another thing is just, you know, it's safer. You're doing other things. You're flipping houses. You're flipping commercials. What I did, I still... I quit building in 2015 when I turned 60. I got up one morning. I said, I've been building houses full time, 31 years. I'm through about two weeks after I turned 60 and we started back flip. So now we try to flip 12 a year, at least one a month. That way, you know, my son's on payroll, my office manager, my maintenance man. And so if we don't make enough, and I have a real estate agent, but she's on commission if we don't make enough money there, it comes out of my rentals. So I don't like that. So we do enough flipping and whatever we keep it going. But as I said, in 98 when I had to start over and I started buying rentals up again, you know, first it was kind of like, I, like I said, I put my tools back on and I was, you know, doing what I had to do remodeling and started building a couple of things for other people. And, and I would trim them. I mean, literally, I was still a real estate, broker but you know i had to make my turn money you know i had my daughter in 1998 my daughter was graduating high school going to college my son's in private school and here i am i can't even get a pager in my name i had a plumber friend of mine that i had put in business a few years earlier charged a pager for me you know and how you tell me how do you go from that in 1998 to you know, I, I, my portfolio is worth over 11 million, which is not bad in Alabama on, on rental property, you know, and I have probably less than $2 million debt. Wow. It's just single family is the safest way to go. And I'm starting to build over, so I want safe. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I'm 43 years old. I don't have time for another mistake. I got to, you know, I got to play it safe. It's safer. And it's like this: people don't, you know, most people want a house with a yard and whatever. At least they do, you know, in Alabama, and a lot of states, you know. So, I think it's just safer, and and, and you don't have the turnover, you know. I've got one tenant's been with me eighteen years, and I do fifteen-year mortgages on everything I buy, so she's paid for that house. I asked her, I said, "How long have you lived in this house?" And at that time. She'd lived in it 21 years and I don't did 18 of that. I got a lot of tenants been with me 10, 12 years, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I got into the programs because I've noticed that the average cash tenant would be out in a year or two and not that they were bad people, but they would buy a house. They would be in a relationship. They would break up whatever, whatever it would be. But the average section A tenant in my area, I'm sure it's the same in yours stays for 11 and a half years. Yeah. So while people would say to me, oh, you can get more if you rent to somebody else. Yes, but when it's vacant and you have to renovate stuff and you have to paint and you always have to do something, that's when you spend the money. That's when you lose the money.
1: That's it. I and, and you don't have to do that. All you have to do is keep it passing the Section 8 inspections. You don't have to, you know, it's just, I, I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. I like it myself.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, so one final question for you, sir, you've, you've, you've done a lot, but in, in my opinion, you're still a very young guy and you have a lot to go. Um, what's the future look like for you? And then also what advice would you give? Cause I get hit up by a lot of young people who are looking to get into the game or just people in general that are looking to get into our business. What advice would you give them on the, on the best way to, uh, to start?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, uh, before we get to that, I'll have people ask me, say, don't you miss the building business? I say, well, I do sometimes, but I can get in my recliner and it'll pass, you know. So I've kind of put that phase of my life behind me. Now from 65 on, it's just going to be fun stuff. And I mean, 60, I was 60, you know, when I quit. It's kind of like this. My wife used to make me eat that turkey bologna when I turned 60. Something else, I said, let me tell you something. Don't bring no more turkey bologna in this house. I want the real stuff to the day <laughs> I die. And I love some bologna, you know. Some bologna. So my whole thing now is to enjoy, you know, which I enjoy. I was 60 before I learned I could take a day off, you know, like I'd work Saturdays. not mean if my family was doing something, I'd go. I didn't miss none of the things with the family. But to break it down, I could just hang around the house and piddle. I mean, if it wasn't nothing, I couldn't go watch TV or something tonight nighttime. I mean, I wanted to be out doing something. I'd go to the office, work about one or two o'clock, check jobs. I loved to work. I had a, a condo on the beach at Gulf Shores, Alabama, right on the beach for almost 13 years. And I never spent a full week down there because I'd get antsy. I'd be ready to come home after about five days, you know, six. I just, I'd worked all my life. I love it. It's still, I get as excited today as the first deal I ever did. But now to answer your question, I'm hard to get wound down. You say that I love this business. When I got on Instagram, the whole thing is to help people. I tell them, like I said, I'm not trying to sell them anything. I got over 500 videos and you won't find one time. I'm trying to sell you anything. I tell them, I don't want your money. It ain't what I do for a living. You know, I'm going to help people, but I want to help them through the videos. I don't want a bunch of DM because I ain't going to, I ain't got that kind of time to with you. Know? My wife said already I'm on the phone too much, you know. So I'm trying to help people through my videos, let them know what's possible. I don't know why people took a liking to my page, you know. They call it organic because I don't do, you know, I don't spend much time with them. I do a video. I don't have all the labels and whatever. I just cut the video. They call it organic and I call it half ass but I guess, you know. But what I would tell someone, if you're going to do this business, to me, the most important thing in this business is learning financing. Because, you know, you hear people say, well, what comes first, the deal or the financing? When some people say, well, you get the deal, the financing to come. No, we're in a kind of market now, if you don't have your stuff together, when you make an offer on something, you're going to lose that deal. So financing, it's very important and learning your market. I, that's two things I preach all the time. You, you know, I'll, I'll say it's always gotta be a deal and they say, well, how do you know it's a deal? I'm thinking you got to, you know, you got to be a self starter in this business. That's another thing you can't. I tell folks, I said, I can't turn your head over and put a funnel in your ear and pour it in your head. You've got <laughs> to learn it. You know, you just got to learn it. And, and, and you know, I did in fact, I did a video, like I said, I talked about my videos, but I got over 500 of them on there. I did a video talking about comparing it to buying a car. When you're going to buy a car, you got to determine, okay, you're going to get a Toyota Chevrolet forward. What you want, you figure out what you want. And then you're going to say, okay, do I want an expensive car or what kind of car I want? And you just break it down it's the same way. When you learn in real estate, what market you want to be in, you want to be in A class, B class, C class, which I didn't know all that stuff. I had to learn a lot of this terminology since I've been on here. I didn't know what half the things meant. In fact, one day a fellow said, uh, I told him, thank you for following me. I usually do that, you know, used to because I got where now I can't keep up. And he says, I thought you was a bot. And I said, what? What's a bot? He said, a robot. I Oh, I didn't know what he was talking about, you know. They call me OG and I mean I understand that. But then they say goat and I think, what the hell does that mean? I had to go and look it up, you know, but, uh, real estate never changes. You know, that need for housing is always going to be here ever since people lived in caves, you know, and you can't say, well, housing's too high. I'm not going to rent. I'm not going to buy. I'm just not going to participate. Now you going to rent or buy. You're you going to do one or the other. You got to live somewhere. Like I said, only want some men live on that bridge. 100%.
0: Mr. Jarman, you're a gentleman. I really appreciate you. I put your, uh, your Instagram on there, but if people are looking to, uh, to watch your videos to, you know, obviously it, it's tough to get in touch, but do you still have the YouTube channel?
1: I do. It's the same thing. Real estate old school.
0: Real estate old school on Instagram. I've watched a bunch of the videos. I highly recommend it. Uh, very cool, very educational. And he he covers a lot of different topics and there's, uh, there's a, there's a good sense of humor to it.
1: I so, try to entertain folks. I tell them the hardest part, you know, I had a buddy of mine out in LA that I've gotten to know on here said you you gonna run out of things to talk about I said man I ain't even got started on construction
0: <laughs> but, you
1: know, but coming up with a different title that's the hard part I can talk about whatever you want to talk about but I got looking one day and I didn't some of them the same thing but you know it is what it is
0: now I appreciate you sir thank you very much and obviously anybody out there on Long Island or in the five boroughs. If you have a house that smells like cat pee, is dated from the 1960s, six inches of mold, property, commercial property, land, notes, I don't care. I'm here, I'm a handsome home buyer. I wanna buy it. 516-777-SOLD, that's a wrap.